0: And to all of our listeners all over the world. You're listening to yet another exciting edition of Let's Weekend. I'm your host, my Brandon Perkins. Joining me always is Chris Sologi. Say hi to the good people. Chris? Hello. Yeah. So, this episode's for March 11th, 2023. And, um, yeah, this is probably, like, one of the worst nights of the year. And you want to know why? <laughs> why is it? Because we lose an hour of sleep. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The time changes tonight. And on top of that, down where I'm living, uh all the pine trees decided that they had to spread their wild oats, so everything in town is covered in a nice shade of a greenish yellow, and it sucks um I was out at a job interview, and I was in the parking lot, and I got crop dusted with the stuff. <laughs> not fun um but yeah, so uh this week, what have we got well, um Honestly, pretty much what we've got here is I guess we could theme this as politicians behaving badly, um combined with politicians doing awful shit, which, you know, is typically kind of the regular theme for this show, but this one in particular is unusual, generally just for the fact that how I guess regressive it really is. You'll you'll know what we mean when we talk about it. It's It's shamelessly just a step backwards, and you'll understand when we get to it, because some of this is like, are we really... This shit cannot really be happening. But it is. It is, unfortunately. But we'll be getting to that. Fortunately, it's not all bad. We've also got some entertainment news. We've got a couple of trailers to talk about. Uh, We've also got some uh, news about music, especially vinyl records and CDs. Uh, This is a... Kind of a thing that has not happened in a long time, and once, you know, you go into the details, you'll suddenly realize, oh, that's why. But, yeah, it'll all make sense. But we got that, and also a uh, bank failed this week, (laughs) and uh, honestly, this is one of those times where you're going to be like, yeah, uh, I don't really mind that this one went under. Um, But we have all that and more on this week's episode of Let's Weekend, so start us off as we always, let's start off the show, as we do, as is tradition, talking about all the things that have led us up to this Saturday evening. So, Chris, what have you been doing this
1: week? Uh, just been busy, uh, yeah. so I haven't had a ton of time to do things, but did manage to start watching the History of the World Part 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mel Brooks, uh, I don't know if he's heavily involved in this, or if he's just you know having input on the, all this work here. Uh-huh. Uh, but it is a series, not a movie. Uh, I was not sure what the, to expect out of it, uh, but like, I'm on episode five. It's eight episodes, uh, basically similar to the original movie. Uh, lots of skits uh, with some of the big comedians of the day. Mm. Uh, Nick Kroll is all over this, Wanda Sykes, uh, a bunch of people are involved in this. Jack Black shows up for a role. Uh, Seth Rogen. You know, a bunch of people in this. Um, And yeah, it goes over a number of periods of time. There's the, you know, Jesus' time as a whole thing there uh, for a few bits. Uh, They do the the Russian Revolution uh, with Nick Kroll as a very, very Jewish man. Mm -hmm. Uh, who serves uh food for lenin and his buddies all that fun Mm -hmm. stuff um and yeah there's uh was this shirley chisholm gets Uh like a 70s style black you know sitcom kind of thing uh with wanda sykes as shirley chisholm uh and all that uh that's uh, a fun recurring bit and then there's Mm -hmm. like the civil war is the last one with uh Ulysses S. Grant, uh, who uh, Lincoln tells him that he is not allowed to have any more booze until he gets the war finished, uh, that kind of thing.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: So, yeah, it has a lot of good bits. uh, Pretty much similar to how the original was in terms of, uh, you know, similar kind of hitting of uh, jokes and all that. The history of the world is probably a little less relevant to Like You and Me and Younger Generations, because those are comedians that, you know, we don't know their work and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think that's one of his earlier movies, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Uh, So this one uh, puts a bit of the Civil War stuff in Rock Ridge from Blazing Mm -hmm. Saddles. Uh, Yeah. So there's a fun little bit there. Mm -hmm. uh, That kind of stuff. So well worth watching. It's on Hulu. Yeah, uh, for people to have that, so definitely worth checking out. Uh, eight mm-hmm. episodes, about thirty minutes each, so not too much of an investment there. Yeah. Uh, also been watching more Shippuden as I've sort of found the groove to hopefully get all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I'm in a very weird part of it where uh, Naruto's been on boats for like seven or eight episodes mm-hmm. that. I've lost the plot on exactly why they've been on boats for so long, uh-huh. uh, considering there's like one place they're supposed to go. And I guess this has been, I don't know, some either they're just going to the wrong places or what, uh, but they've had some good bits, you know, involving, uh, you know, a uh, guy who is prone to seasickness uh, and all kind of fun with that. And, there's a whole side thing where they start, I think, actually trying to go to the the place they're trying to go uh, over the water and uh, somehow get infested with uh, toxic mushrooms. And that's a whole thing where they uh, lose all their water and food. But as a result, try to eat these mushrooms and it makes them go crazy. Mm-hmm. All kinds of weird stuff. But yeah, still liking that a lot. Uh, let's see for games. I've uh, been playing some Minecraft Dungeons since that is on PlayStation Plus uh, right now. Uh, nice thing is they let you... They've added some points, the ability to kind of upload characters mm. to the cloud and then you know download them onto other platforms. So I was able to take the, the Xbox character I had mm. and sort of play that on PlayStation so I didn't have to start over again. Uh, and so I uh, was just trying to see, like, what's new with this game versus... You know, the everything that was in the original that was just kind of like a in all rights, you know, Diablo style action RPG. Uh so they have like a, a tower mode that challenges you to get through, you know, X amount of floors to get like a big reward at the at the end if you can beat the big boss at the end. And that was uh fun up until the final boss that just destroyed me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that was so much level based or whatever, but uh, you kind of start with no gear, and sort of as you beat each stage, you get a piece of gear to add to your arsenal. And so you are trying to find like a good loadout, that kind of stuff, uh, which I thought I had, but uh, apparently not uh, for the run I did. Uh, they also have dailies; they're also just running through the you know stages that you've probably played before. I don't know if they're Exactly the same, or they kind of remix things, but they have that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, so that was pretty decent, but yeah, still Minecraft Dungeons, so not like a, a thrilling game to play, but decent enough. Uh, and as for other stuff, uh, I've been playing more Theater Rhythm, Final Bar Line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have reached 300 songs played in that. I still have, still working on finishing up nine. Uh, I got 10, 11, 12, 13, and 15 after that Mm. to go, but uh, I finally got uh, my Final Fantasy 7 crew that was at level 99 up to their first star, uh, which Mm. gets you a good bump in stats. It just adds a uniform 50 points to all of your stats, and then 300 to your HP, so uh, it's a nice bump up for that stuff, so I'm Curious to see how much of an improvement that is, but uh, then I'm back at you know 100 some you know XP that I need to get to the next star. So it's another long run to get to the next uh, level up for those characters. Mm. And I think I have at least one trophy, maybe two for getting characters to the max nine stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe one for also getting to max stats as well. I'm not. 100% sure what that all means But that's been pretty much It for me so how about you Brandon Well
0: uh, I've been playing more Of Atomic Heart um, And uh, You know what I would like That game more if it wasn't for the Fact that the guy that you played just Will not shut the hell up Like he just He constantly talks and he's Constantly trying to give these stupid One-liners and it's Annoying as all hell um, like, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with, like, having a voice protagonist in a first person shooter, you know, but there is a limit. They keep, you know, this guy, he just, he can't stop, and he's, you know, and he's so brusque and prickly about just every person he comes in contact with.
1: And it's just, it's annoying. It's really, really annoying. Um, are we talking about like a Duke Nukem level of just constant talk?
0: No, because Duke Nukem at least had a sense of humor. This guy is it, he he's he, you know, Duke Nukem at least, you know, in spite of how juvenile his sense of humor is, at least it's actually funny sometimes. This guy is just unbelievably corny. And he's corny in a way that is Honestly, kind of not even relevant to, like, the time period, because I know it's supposed to be, like, an alternate 1950 Soviet Union, but it, it, he the dude is still talking like an American for all intents and purposes. And he keeps using that stupid crispy creep critters thing all the damn time. It's, like, that's his catchphrase, and he says it so much. Even the other characters in the game get annoyed by it. Like, that's how bad it is. Um, but other than that, I mean, it is still very enjoyable. It is still quite good. Um, and yeah, it is still a lot of fun and it is kind of neat being able to play a game that takes place in the Soviet union that actually isn't so like hardcore on all the cold war stuff. It's just like, yeah, you live there. This is how things are done. You know, this is how people live there. It's got its good points, but it's also got its bad points. And it also... Also, you know, parts of it really, really suck. (laughs) You know, like, it the game talks a lot. Like, one of the things this game really does really good is it kind of pokes a hole into uh, old... What they used to... What over in Russia they called Ostolgi. You know, old, like, Soviet nostalgia. Because, yeah, it's got a lot of the sort of pieces of, like, Soviet nostalgia. You got the imagery and the music and the cars and everything. And, like, people who grew up there who, like, pine for this stuff, yeah, it's there, but it also reminds you, oh, yeah, there was also this whole thing about, you know, how party members tended to be a lot better off and wealthier than the average citizen. And, yeah, one party state kind of sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, uh, You know, the only difference is that because of the polymerization technology, you know, basically everyone is able to, you know, live a very comfortable lifestyle, which is all right. You know, that's fine and everything. Um, Another thing that someone else brought up, a person, a YouTuber who who I like to watch, who is like a historian who specializes in like Soviet studies, is she mentioned that there's a surprising lack of women in the game. Like, there, like that's not to say there aren't any women in the game at all. There are. Like, there are NPCs that you'll come in contact with. There's one major character who's also a woman who's, like, a neurologist and everything. But the women in the game are either overly sexualized um, or are, like, basically furniture, for lack of a better word. They're just, like, side characters, whatever. Or they only exist to be, like, a romantic interest for the lead character. Um, So it's kind of, like, through... It's definitely supposed to, like, tap a little bit into, like, old Soviet nostalgia. But it also very definitely has... Like, it's made by someone from, like, a modern-day Russian perspective. With all that entails. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, otherwise, all, all, other than all that, I mean, it is still a very enjoyable game. Um, and you know, if you're, if you got Game Pass, you know, you, you know, it's you're not really, you know, you don't really have to pay anything for it. Just go ahead and give it a shot. You might find you'll enjoy it. Um, but uh, yeah, and I'm also playing a game that I can't really reveal right now because it's still under embargo. But uh, both me and uh. And uh, Dan River playing it, so that should sort of give you an idea of what it may or may not be. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, books just uh, doing some more reading. Uh, Chris, have you ever seen A Clockwork Orange, the movie? Yeah, yeah, okay. Did you ever, when you were like in high school or like in like English class or whatever, did you ever actually try to read the book? No. No, you didn't? Okay, so like I said, like I remind you, you did see the movie. You did see the movie, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so do you remember how in the movie, one of the weird things about it is that like all the characters had this like weird slang that they would talk in? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's basically the entirety of the book. <laughs> um. So Anthony Burgess, the guy who wrote it, um, he was already like an established writer in the UK um, and he wrote the book sort of as both as an experiment and also because he kind of really needed the money at the time. So he came up with this idea of using like this sort of satirical dystopian thriller um, where basically the it's like a lot of it is implied through the text that you kind of have to look through. But the idea is that the UK at some point sort of got absorbed into like the, the sort of Easter block more or less. And so their cultures have kind of sort of started to meld together. And one of the things that came out of that is this really weird kind of sort of street slang that in the book is called NADSAT, which is the weird slang that they say in the movie is just a slightly less than um, because, you know, Stephen, you know, Stanley Kubrick sort of rolled it back a little to make it a little bit more, you know, understandable. But the whole movie is, I mean, the whole book is written in Alex's perspective. Um, and he speaks almost mostly in that perspective. And the thing is, most of the time, it's not that hard to understand what he's saying if you use context clues but it's definitely a little difficult to get into if you're if like you've read the move, if you've watched the movie and then you tried to read the book because like most of the stuff that you see reading the book it happens in the movie just with some you know some things changed here and there. Um, but yeah, he uh <laughs> he he basically talks entirely through the whole book in that slang. And it's weird because they're like, if you remember what happens like midway through the b- movie, where you know his friends basically rat him out, and he gets captured, and they decide to put him through that uh, sort of you know behavioral modification experiment. Then he starts speaking just completely straight, but like he as he starts to revert back, you start to realize he's starting to get through that sort of um he starts to s- sort of slip back into it very gradually. Um it's a very it's it's very engaging. It's a very engaging book, but it's definitely a challenging read. And the weird thing is it ended up becoming like Burgess's most famous book, which is something he basically hated because it's very unlike everything else he wrote because he he mostly wrote in sort of a satirical comic matter. Whereas, you know, this book is deadly serious. And also because it got, you know, made into a movie that, uh, you know, still to this day kind of has a mixed reputation. You know, like, especially if you've watched like the uncut version, there are parts of that movie that are extremely hard to watch. Um, And I know you know what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah. Is it that he resents that this book that he didn't try that hard on is his best book?
0: Yeah, also, well, yeah, more or less. Um, Also, because it it sort of, it was just so outside of what his usual writing style was. He was, like I said, he was very much more of a comical writer in most of his other work, very much of the parody sort. Um, And, uh, you know, this, this was very much a, Uh, This was very much outside of his normal, you know, his normal style, shall we say. Um, And it ended up being the biggest selling book of his career. So, there you go. Um, But, uh, yeah. But, uh, and uh, other than that, like I said at the top, just dealing with all the tree bukkake, basically. Um, Yeah, it's... We had some a bunch of rain come in through the other day, which helped wash away a lot of it. But huh, the thing about rain is that, yeah, it'll wash away a lot of the pollen, but it'll also just as easily stir it all up again as well. Because that's the way it is in Georgia in the spring, even though technically spring isn't here yet. But you get the idea. Um, but yeah, so... And that's what I've been doing. Uh, do you want to? On. No, that's it. That's it. All righty then. Well, with that out of the way, it is now time for everybody's favorite part of the show: Brandon's random factoids. So, uh, Chris, have you ever taken a vacation down to you know, a place, places like the Bahamas or you know, Hawaii or Tahiti or any place like that before? No. No? Okay. Uh, basically, so Tahiti. Tahiti is a little island country that takes place in what's called French Polynesia. And it's called French Polynesia because it used to be, well, part of the French Empire. But what a lot of people don't know is that for a very short amount of time, it was actually part of the British Empire. And how it ended up going from the British Empire to the French is one of those stories that is just so hilarious. You would have think that somebody had to make it up, but they didn't. It's an absolutely true story. So here's what happened. So in, let's, okay. So first I got to get a little thing here. Okay. So uh, a gentleman who was uh part of the, of the British Navy named, named Captain Samuel Wallace uh, he was in the middle of circumnavigating the globe with his ship, the HMS Dolphin. So, this, this ship had launched in 1751, originally. Originally, it's a survey ship, and she made two circumnavigations of the world under the commands of first John Byron and later Mr. Wallace. Um, so, while it was circumnavigating, it came across this little island that we now know of as Tahiti. Now, these were not the first Europeans to actually encounter Tahiti. There had actually been a uh, ship of Spanish explorers that had actually shown up earlier, but they had only been there for a short time before they turned tail and ran. So suddenly, and for what they, for all they knew, was an undiscovered island, the dolphin comes in, and they're like, "Oh well, what do you know? We got a fresh new island. We can claim this for the British Empire." And so. You know, they all got to know each go the natives and everything, and the natives were, you know, accommodating and everything. And they started sort of doing trade. And, of course, Tahiti, of course, being a tropical island, it had things that, you know, a non-tropical place would have, like tropical fruits and tropical nuts and, you know, game and stuff like that. But the thing about islands is that they're very poor in iron, specifically iron nails. And it just so happened that the people on the ship had a bunch of iron nails. And so the Tahitians were like, hey, you know, you want to trade with us? You yeah, trade us some of those iron nails and, you know, we'll trade you what we got. And uh, that's what they did. But then it started to take a weird turn. See, um, it, and to this day, it's still kind of a mystery as far as, like, what this meant to the Tahitians themselves. But... Word got out that the women of Tahiti would willingly trade nail, would give na- get nails for trade for sex. Now, when I say give nails for sex, I'm not talking in the uber-creepy colonialist where this is a bunch of horny sailors forcing themselves on the, native, on the native women. No, 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 no. This was actually like a real trade. These Tahitian women would go up. They would say, hey, you know, uh, you got some nails there. I'll do anything you want if you'll give me those nails. And word got out. And what happened is that all the sailors started lining up on the beaches of Tahiti, trying to find whatever Tahitian woman they could and trade nails for sex. And then the crate of nails they had ran out. So they went back to their ship. And they started undoing the nails that were used to, you know, hang their hammocks up. And then they ran out of the nails there. So they started taking the nails out of the actual ship's hull. (laughs) And trying to trade them for sex. And as you can imagine, Captain Wallace realized that if I stay here for much longer, my ship is going to fall apart. And if we run out of nails, there's a good chance that these people are probably going to kill us. So... You know, and of course, keep in mind, this is also Great Britain, you know, in the 1700s, which was also really prim and proper. And it's like, oh, we don't do such a thing, even though, you know, if you were a sailor uh, at sea for months at a time, well, we all know what someone would do. But so what happened is he got his people. They got back in the ship and he said, we are leaving to sweet," And so they left. Later, word got to the French and the French immediately <laughs> sent a ship out with a crate after crate full of nails, and that's how Tahiti eventually became part of the French Empire. (laughs) And that is yet another installment of Brandon's Random Factoid. Yeah, that was just, that was, that's just one of those stories. It's hilarious. Um, And, uh, yeah. So, with that out of the way, it's now time to move on to the show. show We start off with our assholes of the week. And our first act household of the week is Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who signed a bill into law to roll back barrication requirements for the ages of child workers. Because why the hell not?
1: Yeah. Uh, I believe this is all under the guise of we don't have enough people to work. Uh there's plenty of people who want to work. If
0: you give them, yeah. you know, you know, wages and benefits and you know make it worth their time. But no, they got to exploit immigrant labor and especially child immigrant labor, because I don't know if anybody knows this. But in the last few weeks, there's been reports coming out about the the uh, Labor Department finding a bunch of underage workers in like meat processing plants and shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this uh, rolls back requirements that the state verify the ages of workers under 16 and provide them with work certificates permitting them the work. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, the new law uh, applies to those who are 14 and 15 because in most cases, Arkansas business, businesses cannot employ those under 14. And so, yeah, children under 16 don't have to get the Division of Labor's permission to be employed. state also no longer has to verify the age of those under 16 before they take a job. The law doesn't change the hours or kinds of jobs kids can work.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, so, yeah, that kind of gets rid of that uh, pesky verification need mm-hmm. to make sure those kids uh, can actually work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you will end up probably getting a lot of uh, businesses will be like, well, we didn't know they were 13. They didn't tell us that. They said they yeah. were 14 or 15.
0: Yeah. it's uh,
1: That's basically the purpose of this
0: law, to give a plausible deniability.
1: Yeah. Make it all the kids' fault yeah and not the you know adults that hired them, yeah, dealing with you know these kids that are still in puberty and whatnot. Yeah, And I know
0: there's at least one person who's going to be like, "Well, I grew up doing work you know on my fa- my family's farm and everything. you know, why should it hurt them? Uh, big difference is that's a family farm, Yeah, okay. The, the big, big difference between that, okay, this is a corporate owned meat packing facility.
1: Yeah, or even, you know, McDonald's and Burger Kings and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just uh, but yeah, they're not they're not the only ones. Places like Iowa, Minnesota, uh New Jersey, mm-hmm. uh all that kind of stuff are expanding.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh the ability for teens to work, you know, longer hours or work mm-hmm. in jobs they normally aren't allowed to, uh younger kids, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, things that really shouldn't be an issue Mm -hmm. for these kids. Uh, But, yeah, let's see here. The bills that are also occurring alongside a rising tide of minors employed in violation of child labor laws, which have more than tripled since
2: 2015.
1: Mm. Federal regulators have promised to crack down on businesses that employ minors in hazardous occupations. Mm -hmm. So maybe not so concerned with, you know, the McDonald's sort of end of it, and more the uh factory end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, though one of the recommended stories here, McDonald's franchise owners are caught violating child labor laws. So yep. Yeah. This one's in Pittsburgh. Illegally scheduled yep. 14 and 15 employees to work too many hours, work late shifts at 13 of its restaurants. So mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. But, uh, now we got
0: this other asshole, that's Lieutenant Governor of Tennessee, Randy McNally, who is infamously anti-gay and known for supporting lots of anti-gay, anti-gay, anti-LGBTQ legislation, who was forced to apologize this week after repeatedly posting and liking pictures of a scantily clad gay man on Instagram.
1: Yeah. it. And I mean, is the Pope Catholic? <laughs> yeah, it's... A whole thing where the defense, yeah, the uh, from his communication director who said, there's nothing inappropriate, let's see, a specific quote, trying to imply something sinister or inappropriate about a great-grandfather's use of social media says more about the mind of the left-wing operative making the implication than it does about Randy McNally. As anyone in Tennessee politics knows, Lieutenant Governor McNally is a prolific social media commenter, Takes great pains to view every post he can and frequently posts encouraging things to many of his followers. Does he always use the proper emoji at the proper time? Maybe not. He enjoys interacting with constituents and Tennesseans of all religions, backgrounds, and orientations on social media. He has no intention of stopping. He's yeah. like, that wouldn't be an issue if he, you know, supported gay legislation and all that kind of stuff. That'd be mostly fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as, you know... The second in command to somebody who last week we talked about signing a ba- uh, big bill to ban public drag shows. Mm-hmm. This sort of stuff seems hypocritical at best. Uh, all that kind of stuff as people you know notice his uh, his uh, username on Instagram, yeah. which is Lieutenant Gov McNally, uh, showing up as liking these uh, uh, very scantily clad pictures of. A gay man, so. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, in in the 21st century, if you're a homophobe, the 6 to 1 chance is that you're probably also really deep in the closet.
1: Yeah, and it's a whole thing, so he had an interview uh, with News Channel 5 in Nashville, Mm -hmm. apologized, saying I'm really really sorry if I've embarrassed my family, embarrassed my friends, embarrassed any any of the members of the legislature with the posts. Uh, because this lieutenant governor, he is essentially the head of the state senate,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, sort of similar to the vice president being head of the senate here in the congress.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, but yeah, serving the legislature since 1978. Uh, he's being called out after years of supporting bills that restrict the rights of LGBTQ people in the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, sort of got this whole interview of you know, talking about this stuff where he says he's not anti-gay, but, you know, he's spoken out against gay marriage in the past, uh, said he still kind of feels that way, uh, but then said, but I still have gay friends that are married. And it's like, yeah, and they're probably not happy with you mm-hmm. uh, and the way you do things. Uh, so, yeah, just more hypocrisy from these people. Mm-hmm. Men... We got this other group of assholes, a Mexican cartel,
0: who apologized after kidnapping four Americans and killing two and mistaken identity chaos by leaving the five men responsible behind and tied up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this involved four people, four Americans that were crossing the border mm-hmm. to get cheaper medical procedures done over there, but got kidnapped pretty quickly, I believe because they were all black so they were mistaken as, you know, migrants mm-hmm. that had uh, made their way up to Mexico from, uh, I forget where uh, potentially they would have been mistaken from, but yeah, got this whole hubbub of being taken around to multiple different places. Two of them ended up being killed. Uh-huh. And the other two roughed up pretty bad uh, until they were returned uh, shortly. Uh, you know, few days later, and along with that, they left five men that are supposedly responsible for this Mm -hmm. uh, behind with an apology that, you know, uh, is very much sort of a a thing where they, you know, these cartels want to be on the the down low. They do not want to get the the federal U.S. government involved Mm -hmm. in their business, uh, because that is the last thing they need to Mm. get them in the even the Mexican government involved in dealing with this, so they're hoping that this uh, is uh, something that can be solved by just sacrificing some of their men Mm. for this. So yeah, that's a a hell of a thing there. Yeah. (sighs) And
0: finally, our last asshole of the week is, of course, the king of the assholes, Elon Musk, who apologized after he mocked a disabled Icelandic Twitter employee for asking if he still had a job at Twitter, and then he had to apologize after learning who he had been attacking. Yeah. Or I think the subterfuge of this is he had a talk, he got a call from his lawyers, and they told him who he had been attacking.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is Haraldur Holly Uh who. Ran a company. I forget what the specific company uh, was called, but uh, Twitter under Jack Dorsey acquired them,
2: mm. and
1: I think it was a like a design firm kind of thing. Mm. And instead of taking a, a you know buyout or a lump sum or something like that, he decided to take it as a wage. So essentially, mm. like you know, he'll work till at least he's gotten paid back the amount of money that's you know he. Uh, would be getting paid in this deal which was supposedly upwards of you know 100 million dollars something like that u.s and so of course in all the chaos of people you know just getting fired left and rights you know there's a story earlier this week that was like oh yeah they had a bunch of their managers you know sort of highlight their best worker kind of thing and then fired all the managers and replaced them with the people they recommended for promotions. That kind of stuff where it's like, that's not really great because you don't know if those workers are manager material or not. Or if they're just, you know, the sort of people you would have as, you know, uh, a lead for the teams they're working on, whatever it is, uh, that kind of stuff. But yeah, this guy, essentially like trying to figure out, uh, as he says here, dear Elon Musk, nine days ago, the access to my work computer was cut along with about 200 other Twitter employees. Mm-hmm. However, your head of HR is not able to confirm if I'm an employee or not. You've not answered my emails. Maybe if enough people retweets, you'll answer me here. And mm-hmm. just sort of goes on where he Elon replies like, "Well, what work have you been doing?" Mm-hmm. You know that kind of thing. And he's like, "I don't need to break confidentiality to answer this question here.
2: Mm-hmm. If
1: your lawyers share in writing that I can do that, then I'd be happy to discuss that openly." Then he responds, "It's approved. You go ahead." And then he. Explains what he's been doing Mm -hmm. uh, after a few tweets. And then, yeah, Elon sort of just starts berating him, claiming he's not doing any real work, all this kind of stuff. And then, yeah, finds out that this guy, you know, is a well-known figure in the tech community in Iceland. Uh, I believe has been voted person of the year. Yeah, Icelandic broadcaster, RUVs, person of the year in 2022. Uh, that kind of stuff where he's talking about the other day, wanting to open a restaurant in Reykjavik. Uh, he's known for his philanthropy and for funding the construction of hundreds of ramps around Iceland, uh, which as a disabled person in a wheelchair, that's something that would be you know, important for him. Uh, so, hmm. Yeah. Later, what happened here? He apologized saying, I'd like to apologize to Holly for my misunderstanding of his situation. It was based on things I was told that were untrue or in some cases true, but not meaningful. Uh, he is considering remaining at Twitter uh, as part of this, and it's like one—it's whether he is you know a good worker or not. he he don't have to be a dick like he is throughout much of this. Uh, and it just shows you know the thing everybody knew is that he is just an asshole. Uh, he has never had to really work a day in his life, mm-hmm. uh, and have to show people respect in any way. Mm-hmm. He just. You know, hires them and fires them, you know, based on whether they can do the thing he needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you know, any sort of team building that he has ever had to deal with. That's why he hires people under him that manages them Mm. and gets results and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there you go. Elon Musk just continues to be an asshole, especially as the head of Twitter and just randomly firing people. For no real reason just to be addicted to people. So there you go.
0: Mm-hmm. But, fortunately, it's not all terrible, because, as usual, we do have some heroes of the week. And our first hero of the week is this judge up there, up north in Canada, who ruled that giving the middle finger is, quote, a God-given right. And I say, God bless this man.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, in a 26-page decision, Dennis... Galliot Sados uh, dismissed a case against a man accused of harassing his neighbor in a Montreal suburb. To be abundantly clear, it's not a crime to give someone the finger.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, flipping the proverbial bird is a God-given charter-enshrined right that belongs to every red-blooded Canadian.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah, Referring to Canada's Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Uh, yeah, the the accused is a teacher, had been arrested by police in May 2021 for uttering mm. death threats and criminal harassment against his neighbor in Quebec. In his decision, uh, the judge launched a stinging rebuke of the neighbor and complainant uh, whose grievances, he said, were nothing more than mundane, petty neighborhood trivialities. Mm-hmm. It is deplorable that the complainants have weaponized the criminal justice system in an attempt to exert revenge on an innocent man for some perceived slights that are at best trivial peeves. Mm. And so, yeah, that's a, a cool thing. Yeah.
0: And last but not least, we got this announcement from Bindi Irwin, revealed her decade-long fight with endometriosis that often goes underdiagnosed by doctors. For those of you who don't know what endometriosis is... It's when the tissue that usually grows inside of the uterus decides to grow out onto other organs.
1: Yeah. Throughout your body.
0: It is very unpleasant.
1: Yeah. Uh, And if you don't know Bindi Irwin, she is the daughter of Steve Irwin. Yep. The crocodile hunter. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has given birth to her daughter, I think in the past year or so. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is definitely something that she has, you know, had to deal with, uh, and yeah, she uh, shared on, uh, I think I think Instagram, uh, a big post of information about, you know, what she's done because she wanted to, you know, show other women that this is a thing that other people have and have to go through, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, saying, yeah, for 10 years I've struggled with insurmountable fatigue, pain and nausea. Trying to remain a positive person, and hide the pain has been a very long road. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, a big thing. It's also an issue because it's something that can cause a lot of different triggers in your body, as well as just pain and a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, uh, but also infertility and stomach problems, among other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's in it's a chronic pain. Uh, issue that doctors still really don't know what's causing it mm-hmm. or how to treat it really. I think you just have to get procedures every once in a while as a result and often gets, you know, like a lot of a lot of things with women. Doctors just say like, ah, it's just something you have to deal with mm. versus you know, actually treating it seriously. Mm. So yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: So, uh, That was uh, our show proper for this week. We're now moving on to the proper show proper. And we start off with one of those stories where it ends with, and nothing of value was lost. Silicon Valley Bank, Bank, which is a bank that was set up for tech firms and investors down in Silicon Valley has collapsed and nobody feels bad for them.
1: Yeah. It's the whole thing where you're like, oh, these people, okay, they, they can deal with this. Yeah, because uh, it is a bank that has dealt with like tens of billions of dollars of people's funds. I'm not sure if there's a specific number for how much they had at this point, but I believe they've had uh, in the past few weeks, as you know, mm. uh, news of a bank run at Silicon Valley Bank, with droves mm-hmm. attempting to pull out some $42 billion from the bank on Thursday alone. On fears that it was teetering on the brink, which is, you know, I think that's uh does not help the bank at all. Mm-hmm. It further pushes them out of the out of their financial comfort zone. Mm. And so, yeah, it's uh yeah, it was doing fine on Wednesday, and then Thursday hit, and uh, the shit hit the fan. And the Feds come in to set up sort of a a shell company to. Mm. Help manage what you know accounts they've got and all that, and try to help uh, the people that have people and companies that have money in that bank, and sort of you know deal with the fallout of all this. And it's you know a bank that's deals generally with the the rich and you know the tech companies and all that kind of stuff. That's you know uh, is a group of uh, people and businesses that, you know, have been running uh, lots of shitty business practices of late. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not one that's, you know, anybody, any normal person should feel bad for any of that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's especially what's especially funny was
0: like all the Silicon Valley libertarians who are like, no, no government at all. You know, just put yourself up by your bootstraps. As soon as this as this news started permeating the web, they were all like, "Why doesn't the government do something?" Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah it's. I saw a version of the "Don't Tread on Me" flag that said, "Don't regulate my bank." Yeah, and the next one's bail out my bank or I'll destroy Silicon Valley. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, fuck these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the, the New York Times uh, pitch bot was mm-hmm. basically like, uh, you know, bail out my bank or I'm going to be become a bigger libertarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, they're not anybody you should feel bad for, not like, you know, the, the downturn in 2008, 2009, which involved mm-hmm. a lot of people that tried to buy, you know, housing that was of a normal nature. Mm-hmm people making decent money trying to Mm. finance their homes and giving bad loans that we're not going to be able to help them at all. Mm. And so, yeah, they're probably going to get bailed out anyway because, you know, they're rich people Mm -hmm. the government will bend over backwards to help them in Mm. any way possible. But any normal people just get told to get fucked. Mm -hmm. I think like the most uh, that normal people get affected by this is their, there was one company that was going to lay off people with severance pay, and then as a result of this, you know, can't afford the severance pay anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: that kind of stuff, or people might miss uh, paychecks, mm. uh, which sucks for them, but also their, their company probably should have been run better. Yeah. To not have to run such a thin margin like this. hmm uh, But yeah, even companies like Roku had upwards of about $487 million in the bank. Uh, that was about 26% of their their cash holdings. Mm. So still some of that. But a lot of the other ones are like companies that deal with startups and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, who gives a shit about those people? Mm. Uh, particularly one that helped launch startups like Airbnb, Reddit, and Instacart. Uh, you know, the companies that nobody really likes. Mm. So yeah, there you go. Fuck them. Yep. And uh, also this week, another
0: Norfolk Southern train derailed in Ohio. But before you get get all concerned, it didn't have any hazardous material on board. Just so you know.
1: Yeah. But it just kind of plays into the whole thing here. Yeah, it's like, oh, they really should not have, you know, taken back those. Uh, regulations on the brake stuff mm-hmm. or the trains, yeah. But the companies like Norfolk Southern, you know, lobbied to get removed. Mm-hmm. Uh, be this one uh, was in Springfield, Ohio. Uh, so I don't think it's anywhere close to. I think it's on the southeastern edge mm-hmm. uh, or corner of the state. I could be wrong on that. Uh, let's see. Get a map real quick. Yeah, it's more eastern central. It's east of Columbus, so mm-hmm. there you go for that. But yeah, there's no risk of any environmental damage other than you know the damage of a bunch of fucking train cars, mm-hmm. you know, uh, all over the place. I think it was some like 200 trains or know, 28 cars were sliding diagonally across the tracks. Nobody's injured, luckily. So. Uh, no. Only damage to uh, the nearby environment, mm-hmm. and Norfolk Southern's continued bad reputation. So, yep, yep, that's right. So, moving on from
0: there, we got a little story about Mister Ron DeSantis, Governor of Florida. Uh, for those you don't know, he recently revoked the uh, special city status that. Walt Disney World had in their particular district, and uh, now he's filling his new Disney World special district board with his own supporters.
1: Yeah. Uh, Let's see. I think there's... uh, Who's on this one? I think he's got like three lawyers that have donated to him as well as uh, people that have uh, specifically worked for him as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're hoping to have this group essentially act as uh, the the Republican uh, moral compass for this company uh-huh. uh, for pretty much anything they want to do uh-huh. in, you know, maintaining and improving uh, Walt Disney World, all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, it will really, really go well for them. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, Because they can continue to push them, and then Disney might just say, you know what, fuck you, we're gonna shut this down and move somewhere else. Yeah, Uh, there's many other great places, but yeah, they'd figure it out,
0: or or they'll also just decide to, you know, ride it out until you know, DeSantis inevitably loses one of his elections. So, yeah, yeah, so uh, yeah, um. And uh, speaking of uh, governments and stuff, uh, California's state government is cutting ties with Walgreens uh, because, uh, well, if you haven't heard in the last few weeks, Walgreens has been more or less cowering to the GOP's threats about, you know, you know, doing bringing criminal charges if they, you know, you know, sell abortion pills in their states and stuff. Even though, for the record, it needs to be said, uh, abortion pills are legal and like all fifty states. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's really stupid, but yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's also sort of the thing where they're not even really selling them yet because it's under the CDC's uh or the I think it's the FDA's new rules that they have to get certified uh mm-hmm. for this and they're still working through that process so they haven't been actually selling any at all. But a yeah. coward to these threats from uh, the GOP, you know, attorneys general uh, in those states uh, doing that. And California said, you know what? Fuck you for dealing with this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, putting women's lives at risk and mm-hmm. stuff. So uh, that's essentially going to let, I think, all relationship between Walgreens and the state
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, run out. or They're, they're going to be under review and just sort of deal with it as it goes. Uh, which took a hit to Walgreens stock mm-hmm. and all that. So yeah, they fucked around and found out mm. probably expected that the other uh, pharmacy companies would have done the same thing, but mm-hmm. no, nope. uh, <laughs> you
0: know, CBS, they basically said nothing, you know? Um, yeah.
1: They've all shut up. See who would blink first and see how that yeah. goes. And, that means the others are probably like, Oh, we're not gonna we're not gonna do this. hmm We're gonna just write it out. Yep. Um, yeah, in other
0: political news, Ben Savage, actor Ben Savage or his real name, Corey Matthews, is running for Adam Schiff's congressional seat. Cause those you don't know, um
1: Adam Schiff, he I believe he went didn't he go to the Senate? He's running for the Senate seat that yeah. Diane Feinstein... Right, that's right. Open. So
0: Savage is coming in running for his seat. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah. Which is probably not going to go well for him because he ran for, I think, West Hollywood mm-hmm. City Council. And in that vote, he finished sixth of, I think, nine people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's not good if you can't win a city council seat. Yeah, why would you be expected to win? You know, a House Rep seat. Uh, but he is running. You know, as a Democrat, so you can look at his site, mm-hmm. uh, his uh, political site, which has a lot of uh, his platform stuff. Is all boilerplate Democrat stuff. Nothing really uh, amazing there. You know, supporting even supporting like universal health care and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he's. He's not anybody that would take him seriously as a public official. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's always better than his brother, who's a shitty person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's just, you know, a weirdo. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about. Nobody cares about Ben Savage, and he's not going to get any real mm-hmm. run in this seat. So it's just a, a weird publicity thing for him, I guess. Mm-hmm.
2: Especially when yeah. he's
1: running on, you know, uh, restoring faith in government. Mm-hmm. and all this and it's like yeah sure good luck with that mm. you get eaten alive in Congress
0: yeah and uh, let's see
1: oh yeah uh, now that we're sort of in
0: the less serious part of the show um, Toblerone, of course the famous uh, chocolate bar brand is dropping its Matterhorn and Swiss flag from its packaging for some of its bars
1: yeah so the, the Matterhorn and the Uh, like Swiss made uh, tag on there. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's because, you know, uh, the vast majority of its materials were made in uh, Switzerland Mm -hmm. uh, and produced there. Uh, But they are moving some of their production over to Slovakia. Mm -hmm. So that is going to cause a number of its bars to be uh, removing that stuff because it's, you know, not allowed at that point. Mm hmm. Uh, Like they said, the packaging change affects the 35 and 50 gram bars or 1.2 to 1.8 ounce bars
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, that'll be made in Slovakia. The larger 100 gram tablet bars will still be produced in Bern, the Swiss capital. Uh, So just kind of an iconic part of the packaging that will be changing, which I had never had a Toblerum. Mm -hmm. I think I've only heard it. You know, used in comedy bits and songs and whatnot. Yeah. Because uh, I guess it's it says you're made of honey and almond nougat. Mm-hmm. Did not know. Mm-hmm. It was chocolate. It was weird shaped. Mm-hmm. That was enough for me to never want to touch it.
2: mm
1: So,
0: there you go. Next up, Bob Odenkirk has announced that he is working on a remake of Tommy Wiseau's The Room... For charity.
1: Yeah. Seems to be a real thing because Bob Odenkirk is, you know, put out messaging on this. He also, now that I look at the picture, he
0: does kind of look like Tommy Wiseau. Just without the rat nest hair on his head.
1: Yeah. And he has said, uh, let's see, this is real. This is true. Uh, and let me tell you, I tried my best to sell every line as honestly as I could. And I had a blast. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, they are doing this for charity. I'm not sure exactly how they're going to, you know, dispense this or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, they're raising funds for the nonprofit organization AMFAR or the foundation for AIDS research. Uh, He reportedly filmed his role in January. Yeah. No release date yet. Uh, Cameron Kasky, who is tied to the production, has also shared images of actor Bella Heathcote on set, appearing to play the femme fatale Lisa. So, yeah. Kind of a weird thing to have the room be this uh, cult experience that mm-hmm. is getting remade, you know, 20 years later. Yeah. By, you know, legit actors. Yeah. Instead of a bunch of. Small-time actors and Tommy Wiseau somehow being this weird rich dude that mm-hmm. funded this whole production.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> it's it's just the weirdest story ever. Um, he the story that he says is that you know he had like this jacket importing business that he got all this money from. Yeah, I don't believe it for a second. But, you know, he's really shady about the whole thing, but whatever. Um, He's managed to turn it into a career in spite of everything, so.
1: Yeah, he hasn't been arrested yet, so it must not be that illegal. Yeah. Whatever, wherever he got it from.
0: And next up, Batman the Crusader. It is moving over to Amazon after Discovery dropped it. Yeah. This was the uh this was the like the Batman animated series that JJ J. Abrams was working on, if I remember.
1: Yeah, JJ J. Abrams, Matt Reeves, yeah. as well as the, the people that ran uh the Batman animated series. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was ordered the series at HBO Max in May twenty twenty one, but got scrapped in August twenty twenty two. Uh Amazon has placed a two season order for the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, described as a reimagining of the Batman mythology through the visionary lens of executive producer Abrams, Reeves, and Bruce Timm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's the the whole thing there. Uh, so yeah, that'll be happening at some point. Maybe next year, I guess.
0: Yeah. Uh, we'll see how it turns out. Um, uh, Beavis and Budhead returns for season two on April 20th. Yeah, that first season apparently did really well.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. They'll have two episodes for its debut on April twentieth. So four twenty. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, <laughs> funny. Yeah. So they have just a teaser episode or a teaser trailer up, which doesn't really have much. They're just sitting there making their dumb noises as there's like mm-hmm. subtitles uh, translating it. I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're doing more of that. So there you go. Mm-hmm. For- yeah Paramount plus uh, that'll be starting up next month mm. yeah and then the last announcement we've got here is I think you
0: will be out on Netflix May thirtieth yeah yeah I've been wanting to watch
1: this yeah definitely they're pretty quick six episodes in each season maybe like twenty minutes each so just a few hours and you'll be done mm-hmm. uh. But yeah, as uh, it says here, because triples is best, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson has finally set the premiere date for its highly anticipated third season, uh, which will be May 30th, one day before the 2023 Primetime Emmy eligibility cutoff. Meaning the six-episode third season of Robinson's Absurdist Sketch Comedy Series will be in the running for this year's noms at TV's Biggest Night, uh, which yeah. is good news for them because they do a lot of great absurdist comedy uh, with mm-hmm. a lot of funny people there. Uh, even Bob Odenkirk. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as a bunch of other people uh, you would know. So, yeah, that's uh, exciting to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, now we got a few trailers we got here.
0: Uh, TV's Plus is Ghosted. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that has got Chris Evans in it.
1: Yeah, who uh, sort of goes on a date with... Uh, the the woman played by Anna DeHarmis mm-hmm. who then ghosts him as he just gets no uh, further response in their text chats and decides to go see her in the UK and mm-hmm. finds out that she's actually a CIA spy. And yep. Gets wrapped up in this whole thing being the, uh, the side piece that gets thrown into a lot of... Uh, uh you know chaotic situations and all that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. that looks like that'd be pretty fun. That'll be April 21st on Apple TV Plus. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah and uh speaking of spies we've also got an official Amazon set it all. Yeah this seems to be a project that Amazon wants to get big mm-hmm. uh, cause it features it's a new spy series featuring Richard Madden of Game of Thrones fame and Priyanka Chopra Jonas uh, there, so yeah. Uh, it seems to be kind of playing off of I don't know, like a mind stuff, I guess you could say. It, it kind
0: of reminds me of The Prisoner basically with that sort of, it's like a mixture of like spy stuff, but also with like a lot of like conspiracy and stuff like that as well.
1: Yeah, and they, or at least uh, Priyanka's character seems to be unsure that she uh, actually is a spy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like she's had some amnesia or something. Uh, and also Stanley Tucci shows up, so, you know, that'll probably be a pretty good time with him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be April 28th uh, on Prime Video. Mm-hmm. Looks like that could be neat. That's a series, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it looks
0: looks interesting. I'm definitely interested. Yeah. And uh, we also got a teaser trailer for Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. They're making another uh, Ninja Turtles movie, but this time they're doing two things. They're leaning in on the Spider-Verse type animation style, and they're also leaning more into the teenager part of Teenage Mut- Mut- Mutant Ninja Turtles.
1: Yeah. It's got a really nice kind of stop-motion style of animation to this. Mm-hmm uh and it has a star-studded cast here uh but the people that play the uh the turtles are all teenage actors mm-hmm. uh which has gotten people mad cuz they sound like they're kids and it's like that's because they are yeah it's literally the name of the show yep uh they don't need to be all played by, you know, adult voice actors mm-hmm. uh that kind of stuff as well as April O'Neill's played by I believe Io Edabiri. Uh, is a black mm-hmm. girl. And that's mm-hmm. also gotten people mad on the internet because, you know, they haven't paid attention to.
0: They haven't paid attention to the last <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
1: Yeah, the last yeah. series was a black April. Uh, mm-hmm. As well as in the comics, she's been black a number of times. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, there's precedent for that. She doesn't have to be uh, a redhead all the time. Yeah. Uh, Especially because I think the the first series for Nickelodeon, she was a teenage girl, uh as mm. well. Uh sort of yep. the whole thing there is like Donnie had a crush on her kind of thing. Mm. Uh so yeah, the but the yeah, the the other actors they have like Hannibal Burris, uh who else here? Rose Byrne, John Cena, Ice Cube, Jackie Chan. I believe Jackie Chan is Splinter. Jean uh, Carlo Esposito is, I think, Baxter Stockman. Uh, Seth Rogen and John Cena, I believe, are uh, Bebop and Rock mm-hmm. Uh Paul Rudd is in there. Maya Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ice Cube, yeah. There's a lot of good people on this cast. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see more of it. But, yeah, it looks real good.
0: Yeah. And finally, last but not least. We got an official trailer for No Hard Feelings.
1: Yeah, and this is a weird movie. It's Jennifer Lawrence in sort of a a raunchy comedy. Yep. uh, Where she plays, like, an incredibly attractive woman who uh, somehow gets convinced by this uh, 19-year-old's parents to pursue him and get him laid because he is very much that kind of shut-in nerd kind of kid. Uh, so mm. she is constantly trying to hit on him and sort of break through his uh, barriers mm. uh, to help them out. And, yeah, gets constantly rebuked in various hilarious ways, you know. Mm. Seems like it could be a pretty fun movie. Yep. Yeah, it looks funny. Yeah. Red band trailer here. So uh, sometime mm. this summer, no date yet. Yeah. It took me a bit to realize the 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 father of the kid is uh, Matthew Broderick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a different actor. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to think what his name is. I forget. Um, but yeah, it's uh, looks pretty neat. It's definitely something out of her wheelhouse. Generally, mm-hmm. uh, she's always done either like big budget movies or very much like art house movies. Yeah. So. This one's very much uh, well out of that wheelhouse. Mm-hmm.
0: But, yeah, uh, I do believe we have got ourselves a show, folks. Yes, we do. We've got ourselves a show. So I would like to remind all of our listeners, if you got a question, comment, or something you just want us to read on the air, you can get in contact with us at letsweekenders at gmail.com. That's letsweekenders at gmail.com. we got links right in the show notes. Also, on top of Apple Podcasts, you can catch our little bit of unscripted shenanigans on TuneIn, Google Play, RSS, archive.org, or really any kind of podcast aggregator you can think of. So, we're going to go ahead and wind it down there this week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed what you liked, if you, en- well, if you enjoyed what you liked, that obviously you liked it. That makes no sense. But if you did enjoy what you were listening to, Uh, Please feel free to share it with your friends, family, and, and, you know, not friends, people on the street, even your mortal enemies, because they may not like you, but they may like us. And, uh, yeah, so once again, thanks, Chris, for stopping by and helping me out this week. Um, And, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, Tune in next week. We'll have a bunch more crazy shit to talk about, and we'll also have one less hour of sleep that we will be
1: having to deal
0: with. That's going to be just so, so much fun. Ugh, I hate... I hate daylight savings time so much. Good night, everybody.